Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Um, so today, today we'll talk about a topic I've called God's Ambassadors. And I'd like someone just to give us their own definition of understand or understanding of what an ambassador is. I'm, I'm sure some of you will be disappointed to learn it's not a bus, a bus stop in, in town. Eh? <laughs> Anyone? A representative? Anyone else? You're in agreement with that? <laughs> She said what I wanted to say. <laughs> so that's actually true. Uh, I, me, me, I just went to the dictionary, so I don't have my own definition. Uh, an ambassador is really, uh, there are two definitions. One is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. That's one. The second one is a person who acts as a representative or promoter of a specified Activity. So you can see representative appears in both definitions. So uh, um, l- let, me, let me attempt to, to make a joke. <laughs> um, so why don't ambassadors get sick? Why don't ambassadors get sick? Ah, to do jokes. Okay, the answer is diplomatic immunity. Uh, So, in the same way, we are actually God's ambassadors. And our scripture for today, it's actually a verse, um, comes from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, whereby in the Amplified Version says that we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. We, as Christ's representatives, plead with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So, in this world we live in, as we are here on earth, we are Christ's ambassadors, Christ's uh, representatives. Um, We've been going through the Bible as a church, and for those that are done it, uh, you know, especially the first half of this year, you've gotten a glimpse of the story of the Israelites. You know, at times, I know we, we like to say the God of the Old Testament is very nimkali sana, but when you look at that whole story, it's actually a story of love. God is trying to get his people back to him. And this story starts from a guy called uh, Jacob, who has a number of sons, and uh, one of his sons, Joseph, is his favorite. Now, Joseph, unfortunately, was sold as a slave to Egypt by his own uh, brothers. And when he went to Egypt, his life went to the dungeon, literally. You know, from bad to worse, he was framed. Life was, life was difficult. But what we see from Joseph is that he, will, he remained faithful to God. And in due time, God rewarded him. God actually made him like the second most powerful in that nation. Uh, of Egypt. Then um, there's a famine across, across the world and only Egypt has food enough and of course as, as we've seen previously is it was Joseph who actually uh, spearheaded that decision 
making Egypt the, the, the only nation to have enough food to feed everyone. So nations, guys were coming from all over to buy food. And uh, be that as it may, his brothers came because they were facing starvation. They did not recognize him, but he could, he could recognize them. So just to cut the long story short, he was able to be reconciled to them, he forgave them, and he got them to come to Egypt, and they were given a very fertile land in Egypt. He was reconciled to his father, and they started living their lives there. The Israelites became so prosperous, so successful, and the land they were given was so fertile, so they were able to be very, very uh, productive. However, after Joseph died and the Pharaoh who knew Joseph died, unfortunately, the Egyptians felt threatened because the Israelites were doing extremely, extremely well. So what they decided to do was to enslave the Israelites. And these guys were enslaved for 400 years. 400 years, imagine. Um, when it became a bit too much, they cried out to God. And God heard their cry and sent someone to come and rescue them. God sent Moses. Moses, who was actually raised in the palace uh, of Egypt, and we know the story of how Alikoa Amekimbia Kidogo. So um, God brought him back to be, become the deliverer of, of his people. And the Israelites were able to see God's powerful hand uh, and miracles. Through the miracles he was performing, using Moses, using Aaron. We know the story of the plagues and so on. And eventually when Pharaoh allowed them to leave, even when they go to the, to the, was it the Red Sea, uh, so God parting the waters for them to pass through. So these guys were experiencing God's miracles, God's goodness firsthand. They were able to see what God was doing for them. Unfortunately, when they were in the wilderness, they started grumbling. I think it's human nature whereby we always feel like the place that I came from was, was better than here. And we forget the, of the 400 years of enslavement that, that we went through. So, in as much as they were there, God still came through for them. God still uh, gave them manna, performed miracles. The time they needed water, they were able to get water and so on. So, there's so, so many things God being able to do. But because of this sin of their unfaithfulness to God, they were told that they would not see uh, the promised land, this generation, these guys who left uh, from Egypt. In fact, the book of Numbers 14.33 says, Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness, until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. So the only, the only guys who left Egypt and saw the promised land were Joshua and, and Caleb. It's only my pop quiz. It's my Bible. Yeah, so it was just two guys. So all these guys who left because of their unfaithfulness, they, they died in the wilderness. So it was the next generation who entered the promised land. And the funny thing is, these guys were in the desert for 40 years, but their children just took three days to get uh, into Canaan, into the promised land. God gave them the promised land. They had promised them this land, but there was a catch. There were people still living in that land. So it's not like when you're moving in somewhere, we wait for the guy who's living there to vacate. I love painting, painting a parkour, all the things are repaired, then you move in. So here you're, to, you're being told to move in somewhere, but the guys are still there and they, they are not about to leave. But God was able to perform miracles using the Israelites to drive these people out. In fact, 
uh, in Jericho, they reclaimed Jericho without using a single weapon. A single weapon. Joshua 6, uh, verse 2 to 5 says that uh, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. So they were able to take over Jericho without any, they did not have any weapon. And if you read ahead, they were able to drive out so many other nations. God used them to drive out so many other nations. But also they, there's, a, there's actually a point they lost a battle because uh, they disobeyed God. But they were able to learn from this and go back to God. And God allowed them to be able to defeat so many other uh, uh, people and so that they're able to take over the land. So, so Joshua had seen God lead the nation out of slavery in Egypt. He witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. He witnessed God's provision of food while they were in the desert. And him together with this uh, generation of Israelites, uh, they saw God answer their prayers and gave them many uh, victories as they went out to battle. So this generation was actually quite united in one front. They loved God. Uh, they served him. They experienced firsthand of God's majesty, God's power, and God's love for them. So it was a really nice uh, space to be in. And if, uh, for, for those guys who write stories, this was the perfect time to say and they lived happily ever after. But unfortunately, <laughs> that is not the case. If we look at Judges 2.10, we are told after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, that is, they had, they had died, yeah? another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. One single generation, they forgot. It's not like in the fifth generation. One single generation, they forgot this God who had done so many great things for them. They had lost respect for God. They had lost their desire to worship him. They even did not believe in this one true God. I mean, in one, in one single generation. Uh, last, last weekend, my, my wife had traveled uh, out of town, so I was left with, with our daughter. You know, uh, when, it, when, the wife, when my wife goes away, we have a good time, daddy-daughter. We do all those things that we are not allowed to do. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I decided to buy pizza. Uh, we have a good time. And uh, so I bought pizza, we ate and everything. Then uh, a bit, a few pieces remained. The following day, uh, she took a piece and I, I just asked her to share with me. And she said, no. I was like, I'm the one who bought it for you just <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> You've just forgotten where you got this pizza from already. And you know, it's, it's the same way we were saying that in one generation, these guys had forgotten what God had done for, um, for them. However, as much as we can be quick to blame this generation that is coming up, I think the main question for me was how could a generation that had experienced God firsthand not pass this knowledge to their children? How could they not have passed this knowledge to their children? 
these children maybe they just living out what they knew they were not taught all these things that their parents and their parents parents experience were not passed on to them so this god was not such a big deal for them they never knew about slavery they were in a good place and so they for they, they forgot him so in the same way like my daughter i have to teach her that you have to be grateful you have to learn how to share if she does not learn that from me if i don't pass that information to her she'll have a hard time in her life when when, when she goes out there and finds that life does not revolve around her you know um just early this month uh, a, fr a friend of mine was was telling us about a testimony uh, they have uh, they have an 8 year old son turned 8 years actually this month and he was sharing with us how the son told them as just they were driving that he had made a decision to accept Jesus in his heart so that's that's that, that's big news but i think for them also they wanted to find out do you want, do you really understand what that is and and he told them, yeah, I mean, I, I said the prayer to accept Christ in my heart. I mean, so that I'll go to, to heaven. I'll spend eternity with God. So he had an understanding of what that meant. And it was such a joyous, a joyous time for these guys. And it really got me uh, thinking, even about my own child, about my own daughter. What is it I'm passing on to her? I mean, this, this boy was able to make a decision without being coerced. In fact, by the time he's coming to the parents, he had already prayed that prayer on his own without any coercion. He was convicted. But you can tell that these parents had planted good seed, had told him, had, had told him about the God that they serve, the God that they believe in. And he was able to get that conviction and make uh, that decision. So one thing we need to know is that our children, our friends, they will never receive that gift of eternal life because banking on the faith you and I have, they have to make a decision for themselves. No, they, there's no one who will enter because uh, you had so, so much faith that it covered. They had a shortfall now. Your faith is yours. So they need to get to that point whereby they make that decision for themselves. But the onus is on us to preach this news to them. And as I've said, not only to our biological children, to society at large, to the next generation. There are people who we can mentor. There are people who have never heard of the good news of the Lord. And guess what? These are people we work with. Actually, this, this message was really speaking to me because I was just looking at the people in my circles. How many have I told this good news? You know, uh, we share, we, we, we like, for instance, like with, with the vaccines, when we hear this somewhere, vaccines are being offered. We share this good news. And we even say, share widely. <laughs> but this good news of the Lord, why do we not share it? Why is it that we don't share it? We are sharing this story of vaccines because we want to save lives. This is life-saving. God's word is life-saving. And there's a reason, there's something it has done to you in your heart. What is your story? What story can you share with others so that they're able to see this God that you serve? Romans 10.14 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? 
and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So it all boils down to that. They need to have heard it somewhere. For them to believe, they need to have heard it somewhere. Yes, God will convict them, but God is calling you and I to be those instruments to preach this message out loud and tell others. Of course, our lives can be a witness. I know at times we say that, that I'll, I'll preach using my life. Yeah? And yes, it happens. Like, for instance, you can say, uh, my, my friend whose child gave their life to Christ, they must have seen how the parents are living their lives and said, I desire this for myself. But over and above this, they were told. They were actually told. So, yes, live your life. Let it be a witness of the message that you proclaim, but don't forget to proclaim that message. We have to actually say it out. Telling of the message is necessary. The, the world as we know it changed in the last one and a half years. Uh, the, and it has thrown curveballs at us, things we never expected. And, and if you look at the news that, that is coming forth, it's just sad news. People are losing their lives. People are becoming unwell. Uh, people have lost their jobs. Uh, people have committed suicide. As in, you're just hearing sad stories. Injustice is happening. When you, when, you, when you watch the news, you're just seeing a lot of injustice happening. And a lot has happened in the last uh, one and a half years. And it's so easy to forget God. And it's so easy to forget the message of the cross. And in these uncertain times, we need to anchor ourselves in God because he's the only constant. Everything is changing. Everything is changing. We have to anchor ourselves in God and in Christ. We know when, the, when, when, when a ship is, in, is out in the seas and there is, the tempest is raging and there is a storm and everything, they throw down the anchor, which holds a rock, like a firm place. And for us, that should be God. But if the world... If we don't tell this message to the world, how will they be able to know it? And I know ourselves, we have passed through many things in the last one and a half years that has, shaked us, that, that has shaken us to the core. But we as ambassadors are the ones God is relying on to give this message of hope to the world, to this earth that we live in. But as we've seen, it's difficult, especially when you have experienced this pain that we are saying the world has brought to us in the last one and a half years and even beyond that. So how do we build our faith in God to be able to carry out this ambassadorial role? Because you just can't go out and carry this role. Even the guys who are sent as ambassadors, they are equipped. They are equipped to be able to carry out that role when they are sent to that different land. Romans 10, 17 tells us that consequently faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So this message we are saying that we have to give out to others. It has to be in us first. We have to do, I've, I've actually put it down like three points that will help us to build our faith as we carry out our role as ambassadors. And the first one, you'll find them, they are very basic, but I believe therein lies the power. At times, at times the devil 
lies to us that something is too basic to be there the actual answer or the actual thing that God wants us to do. But the first one is spending time in scriptures daily. Spending time in scriptures daily. Why, why am I saying daily? I mean, our bodies get nourished because of the food we eat daily. All factors held constant we eat daily. I know maybe there are instances whereby we might not eat every day, but all, all factors held constant we eat daily, and that is for our nourishment. Similarly, our spiritual bodies need to be nourished each and every day. And, and, and as, you, as you've seen in the last couple, of, I don't know whether it's years or months, people have become so conscious even about what they're eating, uh, sharing recipes of healthy eating, healthy alternatives, and so on. Because if you give your body the wrong things, you know in the future there'll be trouble. Uh, you'll, you'll cause destruction to your body, uh, sicknesses, illnesses, and lifestyle diseases. Similarly, in our spirit, if we don't feed our spirit the right things, we'll cause death and destruction in our spirit uh, up ahead. So that is why we constantly have to read God's word, constantly have to immerse ourselves in the word of God. And I like these this things. Yes, they are basic, but I like them because even when Jesus was on earth, he, he actually demonstrated it to us because that time he got, he disappeared somewhere. He was, he, he had gone to, to, to the synagogue, you know. And he was able to share, wherever he was going, he was taking time to share this good news uh, with other people. And also, as we saw in the synagogue, he was able even just to take time to study the scriptures and discuss uh, with others. Um, but for me, I think the main thing is not to overcomplicate it. Uh, for the longest time, I used to struggle a lot with reading the word, but I discovered the reason was because I really overcomplicated scripture reading. For me, it was a ritual. In fact, I, it was almost like replicating the church service again. <laughs> I felt like uh, I needed to prepare. Okay, yes, you need to prepare, but I felt like I really needed to go out and prepare, almost have a program. The first 10 minutes, I need to do this then I need to do this, then I need to do this. So when I wake up and I'm like, I'm running late, I only have 15 minutes, I'm like, I, I can't do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. But there's never time. So you find that weeks have gone, months have gone, I've not read, because I'm looking for that perfect half an hour to spend. But we do not need to change ourselves to come before God. We come before God so that He can transform us. It's like, it's like we've boxed the word of God. It, it, only, it can only work when we do such and such a thing before reading it. But you cannot box the word of God. The word of God is so powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit the completeness of a person and of both joints and marrow, the, deep, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of our hearts. So the word of God is very powerful. I remember even when this thing of audio Bible came out, the first time I was like, Ai! You know, but, but you see, by doing that, I'm already boxing the word of God, saying it can only operate under certain circumstances. But the word of God is powerful. 
he created, God created the world using his word. And it was, he actually said it, so it was audio. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> so, what, even if you're in traffic, even if you're walking, even if you have a few minutes, you can actually read the word of God. And guess what? The word of God will transform you. The word of God does incremental transformation within you. You might not sense it. In fact, there are times, I'm sure those who are going through the Bible have experienced this. You read a portion of scripture and you say, okay, as in, I really don't understand that. Honestly, I really do not. And probably you read it the second time, it will still not make sense. But God is already doing a work in your heart. Using that same scripture, you don't understand. One day you will read it, you will understand it, or you will come across another portion of scripture somewhere, connect it, or you will hear someone talking, it makes sense, or you will go through a life experience and that scripture will make sense at that point. So, Isaiah 55, 11, God says, So my word, be, my word be which goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me void. That is useless without result, without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. God's word never goes back void. It will accomplish something in your heart. You might not feel it, and it's never really about feelings, but God is already doing something in your heart. Incremental gains, incremental gains. So let's spend time in the word. Let's spend time in scripture. As we become ambassadors of God, we need to equip ourselves. Just like the Israelites, initially they did not have any weapons, but eventually they had to get these weapons to go and fight. The second one, you need to spend time in prayer. Every day. Every day spend time in prayer. Actually, some of those portions of scripture you don't understand at times you, it's revealed to you as you pray as you pray to God when, 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 when you're in a when you're in a in a friendship with someone or in a relationship uh, with someone one of the key things we normally say is communication and communication is, is two way when communication breaks in one point there's a problem in that relationship and similarly uh, when God speaks to us through the word we respond to him by a prayer, by praying to him, by speaking to him. Um, and, and in this instance as well, don't overcomplicate it. Do not overcomplicate it. You don't have to begin your prayer with saying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, when, when, when you're with someone you enjoy their company, someone you love, do you start arranging your words? Hey, Nikikuta Nafredil Leo. There's no format. You just speak your heart. You just speak your heart. And imagine that is what God is craving from us. God does not want all these religious uh, rituals that we do. God just wants to reach out to us and to speak to us. If you read that whole story of the Old Testament, you'll, you'll discover God is just reaching out to us. Because of our sin, uh, we got disconnected, so he's trying to reconcile us back to him. So as we pray to God, imagine we can just talk to him at any time. And I remember I used to look at this portion of scripture of First Thessalonians 5.17 which says pray without ceasing. I'm like how? I mean will my life stop so that I am just continually praying? But it's because I had, I had created this idea of what prayer is. You know, you 
close the room, go to the mountain and stay there for three hours. You know, which you can do. I'm not saying don't do that. But you can talk to God at any time. When you're sitting down, you know when you're with your thoughts, rather than talk to yourself, why not talk to God? Why not talk to God at that point? You can talk to God at any time. He understands any language, by the way. <laughs> so it does not have to be a specified format uh, that you're using. And it does not have to be uh, one hour, three hours, two hours. When you meet someone you love and they tell you, I only have five minutes, will you say, okay, I'm at Tuongekesho? Will you say that? No, no, no. You will maximize on those five minutes and those five minutes will have quality conversation because of the value of that relationship. The same way, whatever time you have, just pray to God. Talk to him in any... You can actually start by telling him, good morning. There's no format of a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> so that's the second one. Imagine you as a parent giving your child instructions and they don't tell you anything back. Just imagine that relationship. You tell them, do this, do this, do this. Maybe they do, it, they do it or not, but they don't say anything back. They don't tell you how their day was. They don't tell you how you're feeling. Imagine that is God with us, wondering why aren't we giving him feedback as we read his word, why aren't we talking to him? Then the third and the last one is those two things I've talked about, uh, spend time in uh, the word and in prayer. The third one is do it together with others. Do life together with others. As we, as we know, there are things you set out to do on your, by yourself, but you, you lose the willpower at some point. But when you're in a group, when you have accountability with someone, it helps you accomplish uh, these things. So join, join a small group. I mean, join a Bible study group, read the Bible with others, and, and I think this, this church is quite blessed because that is something that, that happens. There's a platform whereby you can connect with others. Pray with others. Uh, life was never meant to be alone. You've heard of that saying that if you want to go fast, you walk alone. But if you want to go far, you walk uh, with, with others. Hebrews 10.25 actually tells us that not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. So we are being told that even as we move towards these last days, the more we need to have fellowship with one another, the more we need each other. And as I said, these things we're talking about, Jesus modeled them. When Jesus was starting his ministry, he actually got a band of brothers. God, Jesus actually demonstrated that this thing you have to do it with others. You cannot do it by yourself. You cannot do it uh, alone. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a more satisfying return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, then they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So this is, our, this is what I'm urging us. Let's go back to the basics. 
I like I like the acronym of the Bible. People have given us given it different things, but I like the basic instructions before leaving earth. Let's go back to the basics. Let's go back to the word. Let's go back to prayer. Let's go back to, to fellowship. That is those are actually the building blocks of this thing. And we'll be able to carry out our role. We owe it to our society, we owe it to our children, we owe it to the future generations to pass on this good news. Imagine if we break it here. Just imagine how the society will look at two generations from now. It will be horrible, it will be pathetic if we don't play our part and pass on this good news, this message uh, to future generations. Jesus' last instruction to us was the, the Great Commission. It was not a great proposal or a great suggestion. It was a great commission, which told us in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, that go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That is, help the people learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. So we have been given a commission to pass on this good news far and wide, and he's given us a promise that he will always be with us in whatever circumstance, in whatever situation we, found, we find ourselves in. Now, as I come to the end, um, there's a story I had on Friday. On Friday, I'd gone for a burial somewhere, and the the preacher of the day gave a story that happened in Nairobi in the, in the, in the 1970s. And he told a story of there were two bank managers. And you know, those days, a manager was, I think nowadays the term has been really diluted. In those days of our, of our parents, when someone is a manager, that is just the big kahuna. So there were two managers who were very close friends. One, one was in Barclays, a manager in Barclays, and the other one a manager in Standard Chartered. Uh, one lived in Buruburu, the other one in Otiende. Back in the day, those were the affluent places, yeah? Uh, these other areas cropped up recently. Yeah? <laughs> so those were the affluent places. So these guys were well, well off, well off. So uh, they were really good friends. They used to hang out uh, together anytime and just being able to, as peers, kujengana in life. Uh, but this guy who lived in Buruburu, uh, over and above being uh, in, the, in, the, in the corporate world, he was also a believer. However, this guy in Otiende was not a believer. But these guys were really tight. And uh, one day they decided to meet, as usual in the evening, they decided to meet at Wimpy, which, uh, in fact, I remember the, 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 the guy preaching because it was upcountry. He was asking whether Wimpy is still there. <laughs> <laughs> So these guys met in Wimpy, and they had their tea and whatever it is that they were having. And of course, you're exchanging notes this week, which shares have you bought, uh -huh. nini, nini, things like that. So they talked, they talked, they talked. Then after that, uh, they bade each other uh, goodbye, and everyone, each of them went home. So this guy went to Buruburu, and he just felt troubled uh, when he was going to sleep. And as he slept, he actually dreamt. Uh, that we're in the last, like, Jesus has come back and he's standing somewhere and there's a border and the other side there's fire 
a lot of fire and there are people burning without dying. I mean, that's the worst. You're, you're just in pain. So as he was standing there, someone was able to jump from that side and came and gave him uh, an envelope. So this guy looked at it and his name was written on it, so he opened it. So when he opened it, it was from his friend from Otiende. And the guy was telling him, and you, you knew about Jesus all this time and you never told me. You know. So the guy, I think now he woke up from his dream and he was like, ah, I cannot wait. He went and called uh, his friend. Of course, landline, he was on a cell phone. So called the landline. And as he was calling, uh, someone picked up, uh, like, yeah, hi, it was the wife to his friend. So I told him, hey, can I, can I talk to, to him? I know it's late, can I talk to him? So the wife said, uh, unfortunately, uh, as he was coming home, he had an accident and, and passed away. You know, and that was such a, 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 sad, a sad story because you can, you can actually replace that guy with you. You know this message and you have people around you who have no clue about it. What can you do to pass on this message to them? What can you do to tell your story? At times it's just telling your story. How God has come through for you. Then someone else will be edified by it. So this is my urge to us. We are ambassadors. May we play our role as ambassadors. I know not all of us will, can come here and talk. I know not all of us have those platforms. Maybe you have a platform like Carol has of, of a podcast and so on. But in your own little way, we have a very active uh, social media uh, platform for this church. How about when, 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 when they talk about there's a service tomorrow, how about retweeting it? How about sending it to your friend and telling them? How about if you see something encouraging, you posting it there because there are people you might have two followers, but two more people have heard this good news than rather if you decided not to post it or to post something uh, different. So you have various ways in which you can play your role as an ambassador. So I urge us to take this into consideration because I believe this is something that God has been speaking to me and I know it's something that is applicable to all of us. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.